RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Hong Kong agrees to set up its first travel bubble with Singapore. Taiwan authorities say Hong Kong air traffic controllers forced a civilian flight to turn back as it approached the Pratas Islands. And the LegCo Secretariat calls the police after pro-government councillors accuse Democrat Ted Hoy of snatching votes from a ballot box. Hong Kong and Singapore have announced plans to form a travel bubble to enable people to escape some COVID-19 restrictions. The SAR government says it hopes the new plan will be up and running within weeks. Maggie Ho reports. The bubble basically means residents of Hong Kong and Singapore can travel between the two places without having to be quarantined. Announcing the agreement, which has been reached in principle, Secretary for Commerce and Economic Development Edward Yao says there would be no restrictions on the purpose of travel, but a number of conditions would have to be fulfilled. He told the press conference that travellers would first have to take a COVID test recognised in each place and no transit passengers would be allowed on the same flights as the bubble passengers. But he said details, such as how close to the flights the tests would have to be carried out and which airlines can get involved, are yet to be hammered out. The minister said the two governments hoped the scheme could be launched within weeks, and mechanisms guided by health experts from both sides would be put in place to address the scheme if necessary. But what if circumstances uh, turn worse? Of course, uh, these arrangements uh, could be adjusted, uh, could be relaxed if situation improved, or could, could be sort of uh, reduced in order to sort of uh, minimize the risk. The International Air Transport Association has welcomed the announcement, saying the move will help reopen borders and restore the connectivity that jobs and economic activities depend on. Respiratory medicine specialist Dr. Leung Chi Chu says that the travel bubble shouldn't be a significant health risk to either side. Both of us are in medium risk and uh, our control measure, including our border control measures, are relatively comparable. Under such premises, uh, the travel bubble by itself may not pose excessive risk to either party uh, at the current stage, but we need to ensure that those passengers in the travel bubble must be effectively separated from other international travelers who may be of higher risk. Uh, not only during the air flight or in the airport, but also in the hotels where they stay. Authorities in Taiwan say Hong Kong air traffic controllers forced a civilian flight from the island to turn around as it approached the Taipei-controlled Pratas Islands. Natalie Cheng has more. Taiwan's Civil Aeronautics Administration said Hong Kong air traffic controllers told the captain of the weekly charter flight from Kaohsiung that dangerous activities were taking place below 26,000 feet, so we could not enter the SAR's flight information region. Taipei said there had been no prior warning of danger in the area. The captain had no choice but to turn back to Taiwan. The Pratas Islands are just 300 kilometers from Hong Kong and have taken on renewed significance as they've become a possible destination for people attempting to flee the SAR. Taiwan has already picked up one boatload of Hong Kong people close to the islands. The weekly flight usually carries government and Coast Guard personnel and is not open to the public. Hong Kong's Civil Aviation Department did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The LegCo Secretariat has called the police on Democrat Ted Hoy after pro-government lawmakers accused him of grabbing three votes from a ballot box. As Damon Pang reports... This happened during elections for a chair for the development panel. 
Tony Chair, who was presiding over the voting process, said Mr Hoy had taken three votes out of the box. The pro-Beijing legislator agreed with the convener of the pro-government camp, Martin Liao, that the secretariat ought to file a report to the police. Officials later confirmed that they had made a report with the consent of the legislative president, Andrew Leung. In the end, voting papers were redistributed and Lo Wai Kwok from the Business and Professionals Alliance was elected chairman. In response, Mr Hoi says it's laughable for a pro-government camp to involve the police in what he said was a procedural matter. He says he's simply trying to contest why the right to nominate candidates was restricted. The Democrat accused his rivals of trying to suppress struggles within the council under the national security law. The pro-government camp hopes to grab the leadership of all panels to enable them to take control of meetings for the rest of the legislature's extended term. Last year, Mr Hoi was found guilty of common assault and two other offences for snatching a security bureau officer's phone and running off with it into a men's toilet. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. Media tycoon Jimmy Lai says police raided his personal office today saying officers had taken everything away without waiting for lawyers to arrive. Mr Lai told reporters he had no idea what the police were looking for and accused them of not acting in accordance with the law. I have no comment. I don't know what their intention is. They just want to, whatever they want to, they, they want to correct, you know, they want to just get something to go against me. I don't know what it is. The police didn't even wait for the lawyers to come before they took everything away. So that's not a rule of law. Shortly after the raid, Mr Lai appeared at West Kowloon Court with 25 other pro-democracy figures to face charges related to a banned June 4th vigil in Victoria Park. As Francis Sitt reports, the cases have been transferred to the District Court. Mr Lai, along with 25 other pro-democracy activists, including pan-democratic lawmakers, activist Joshua Wong and leaders of the Alliance in Support of Patriotic Democratic Movements in China, appeared in West Kowloon Court. They are accused of inciting, organizing or participating in an unauthorized gathering on June 4th to mark the anniversary of the bloody Tiananmen crackdown in 1989. The court promptly transferred their cases to the district court, with the hearing set for November the 3rd. One of the defendants, Li Chuk Yan, told reporters before the hearing that he expected the case to be transferred to a higher court, which can meet out stiffer punishment. The message is very clear. Even peaceful protests, they will also suppress, they will also prosecute, and uh, they will also seek for higher penalties, so that no matter what sort of protest you are in, any opposition to the government, any opposition to the Chinese Communist Party, they will try as much as possible to penalize the Hong Kong people. The court also heard that arrest warrants have been issued against two of the defendants, Nathan Lo and Sunny Zhang, who have fled Hong Kong. The government has dismissed threats from the United States to impose sanctions on financial institutions found to be helping 10 local and mainland officials deemed to have undermined Hong Kong's high degree of autonomy. It says any such sanctions wouldn't be valid under Hong Kong law. Cecil Wong has details. In a report to Congress under the Hong Kong Autonomy Act, the U.S. State Department had warned of tough action against international financial institutions doing business with the 10 people on its sanctions list, including Chief Executive Carrie Lam and Liaison Office Chief Luo Huining. Beijing has responded by warning that China would take countermeasures if Washington continues interfering in local affairs. The SAR government also struck a defiant note, saying the threat of sanctions against banks is another example of U.S. hegemony. A government spokesman said such sanctions would not create any obligation for financial institutions under Hong Kong law. 
they will continue to operate normally and smoothly despite any undue pressure from the U.S., he said. The government said it strongly reprimands the U.S. authorities for publishing a report that contains what it called totally groundless and irresponsible accusations against Hong Kong. The spokesman added that the chief executive and other officials who are being targeted have made it clear that they will not be intimidated and rejected suggestions that the national security law has undermined Hong Kong's high degree of autonomy and freedoms. The named officials, the spokesman said, will continue to discharge their duty to safeguard national security in accordance with the law without fear or anxiety. A vice president of Beijing's top think tank on Hong Kong has criticised local officials for not having a sense of crisis after the central government named Shenzhen as the engine for development of the Greater Bay Area. Lao Shikai said it was a sign Hong Kong was losing its competitive edge and authorities should care that Shenzhen's GDP had surpassed the SARs. It's a note that uh, something has been uh, developing very fast. It has already surpassed Hong Kong in terms of GDP. That means Hong Kong is losing our competitive edge vis-à-vis uh, It is a, a signal of uh, a crisis for Hong Kong. The SAR government has confirmed that there are plans to switch the terminus of the cross-border express railway line from Guangzhou South to a station in the centre of the Guangdong capital. Wendy Wong reports. The choice of Guangzhou South as the mainland's terminus for the line had come in for strong criticism in Hong Kong, with many people saying its distance from the city centre defeated the purpose of having a new high-speed alternative to the old service, which takes people into central Guangzhou. The plan to make Guangzhou Railway Station the future terminus was uncovered after President Xi Jinping said there was a need to boost railway network connectivity within the Greater Bay Area. The switch was set out in a blueprint issued in July by the National Development and Reform Commission. Responding to an RTHK inquiry, the SAR's Bureau for Transport and Housing confirmed the plan, but did not answer questions as to when it will be carried out or whether Hong Kong will have to shoulder any of the costs involved. It said it understands that the Guangzhou government has approved the switch. The Bureau also confirmed that authorities are considering building a rail link between Hong Kong Airport and Shenzhen, but said there is no concrete plan or timetable for this yet. Crowds have continued to converge on the centre of the Thai capital, Bangkok, in defiance of an emergency decree that bans gatherings. There have been long-running, mostly peaceful demonstrations calling for democratic reforms. The BBC's Bangkok correspondent, Jonathan Head, says the big question is what happens next. The protests of the past three months have, to an unprecedented extent, demanded changes to the monarchy, and that is a shattering blow to the prestige of an institution that was once untouchable. The monarchy has always been very well protected uh, and upheld by the myth that it, it is above politics and above everything. These young protesters are saying, no, it isn't. It's very wealthy, it's powerful, and it needs to be reformed and made accountable. And... In Thailand, that is equivalent to blasphemy, really, when you think of how strong the cult behind the monarchy is. I think that's why the government shut this protest movement down. The Consumer Council says more than 80% of sunscreen products it recently tested do not protect users as much as they claim, leaving people at risk of developing sunburn. One brand was found to have a sun protection factor of 9.8, even though it was labelled it as SPF 30. Council spokeswoman Nora Tam says sunscreen makers are not providing sufficient product detail on labels. We find the label on the product is actually not very clear. Some of the labels are only in Japanese and not in 
Chinese or English. And some of the label, they didn't tell the expiry date or the time they produce it. And some did not mention how to use it or uh, how much should be applied. And therefore, all that information we found that is not sufficient for the consumer to make a right choice. And I think they should improve the label as well. The watchdog is also warning that some condoms on sale in Hong Kong may not be as thin as people are expecting, with a potentially confusing labelling on packaging which may breach trade descriptions rules. One brand that markets itself as 001, for example, gives no definition for what the number stands for. But the council says buyers could easily think that's the thickness of the prophylactic in millimetres. The council's chief executive, Jilly Wong, says that's not how thick the product actually is. We found obviously all the different words in the print on the package or indicate on the labels like 0 0.02, 0 0.01 or 003. All these kind of words can possibly be seen as its product description. But no matter what, um, since different traders, they promote thinness as one of their uh, major promotional features, to attract consumers is even more beneficial for you to, to disclose the information very clearly, what exactly it means, what kind of uh, unit that you're referring to, so that the consumers can buy the product according to fair comparison and transparent comparison. Nesport and Harry Maguire were sent off and Christian Eriksen scored the only goal of the game as Denmark beat England 1-0 in the UEFA Nations League at Wembley. The BBC's John Murray reports. This was England's first defeat at Wembley for over two years and the match swung decisively Denmark's way either side of the half hour. First, Harry Maguire was sent off for a second bookable challenge and within three minutes England conceded a rather soft penalty. Christian Eriksen marked his 100th appearance for Denmark by scoring from it. England's ten men twice came close to drawing level. Schmeichel saved well from Mount, Cody's header hit defender Kier and there was a second sending off of the night for England after the final whistle when, on his full debut, Rhys James was shown a red card for dissent. It was a record-breaking night in the Major League Baseball playoffs for the LA Dodgers. They scored 11 runs in the first innings of their Game 3 National League Championship Finals with the Atlanta Braves. The 15-3 win cut the series deficit to two games to one in the best-of-seven series. In the previous game, the Dodgers scored four times in the, in the ninth, only to lose by a single run. Shortstop Corey Seager says the team simply picked up from where they left off. We wanted to build off last night. Last night, all nine innings, you know, we put together good ABs, um, scratched some runs there in the ninth. You know, we all just keep that going. And we wanted to get on them early. You know, we hadn't done that in the whole series. So it was nice to be able to do that tonight. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Hong Kong agrees to set up its first travel bubble with Singapore. Taiwan authorities say Hong Kong air traffic controllers forced a civilian flight to turn back as it approached the Pratas Islands. And the LegCo Secretariat calls the police after pro-government councillors accused Democrat Ted Hoy of snatching votes from a ballot box. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 it's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Hong Kong and Singapore have announced plans to form a travel bubble to enable people to escape some COVID-19 restrictions. People who test negative for the coronavirus are to be allowed to travel between the two places without any quarantine requirement. The SAR government says it hopes the new plan will be up and running within weeks. 
Cathy Hsu from the Polytechnic University's School of Hotel and Tourism Management told Damon Pang she expects the plan to be rather popular when it is implemented. I was surprised to hear this, but certainly I think the travel trade will welcome it from an economic perspective, and potential tourists will welcome it because they would like to travel. You see the fatigue <laughs> being mentioned all the time now by even the experts. So yeah, I think the Hong Kong people will welcome the opportunity. Do you think that with the government's having a suspension mechanism in place, mm-hmm. is that sufficient to ensure public health as well as the economic benefits of traveling? Would there be a good balance being struck? Both governments will have to monitor the numbers and the trends very carefully. It's good that they have the mechanism in place. Just like the local restrictions, the government now is quite careful. They do that one week at a time. So yes, we have to start somewhere and starting with a government with a good reputation, credibility, that will be a good start, I think. At least we can trust each other in terms of credibility of the test and also government's will to control any potential issues. But should people still be concerned in Hong Kong, Singapore now? We still Mm -hmm. are seeing some cases. Is it really safe to travel at this point? I guess different people have different risk levels. Some people are more risk adverse, others are more adventurous. For me personally, I would not, but some people will. So I guess that's the government's role in balancing public health and economic development. The Hong Kong government has been in talks with 11 governments, including Singapore, about these air travel bubbles. Do you think that it is wise to have more of these countries have travel bubbles with Hong Kong, even though there's still not a vaccine in place? I guess there are a lot of criteria. There has to be a certain level of containment on both sides for this to get started. And that's why there is no specific start date, I guess. And also both sides have to have, I think, similarity in their ability to control the situation. Representatives of the tourism and hotel industries have urged the government to extend its wage subsidy scheme, warning of massive layoffs if it doesn't help the sectors. Violet Wong reports. The Federation of Hong Kong Hotel Owners and the Travel Agents Relief Alliance say recent polls showed around 400 travel agencies and 60 hotel owners will let go of their staff if the government doesn't help pay wages for another three to six months. The groups say most operators polled have not yet laid workers off, although COVID-19 has brought tourism to a virtual standstill because of the government's employment support scheme. The subsidies for employers covering half their workers' wages up to a maximum of $9,000 per month is due to end in November. Chief Secretary Matthew Chang said last month that he had no plans to extend the program. But Alex Lee, the general manager of Miramar Travel, says without further salary relief, more than 300 travel agencies would fire at least 40% of their staff. We cannot think that because we have the employment supporting scheme in the past uh, six months, the owners are all, were all enjoying. They didn't. The owners of all the travel agencies still have to top up for all the expenses. So if we stop, By the end of November, it will be a nightmare. Mr. Lee says the government should give at least $100,000 to each travel agency to tie them over for the next six months. Michael Lee, executive director of the Federation of Hong Kong Hotel Owners, 
says the government should also help the sector stay afloat by allowing more international travel. I think it's very important for the government to do something more positively and more transparently on the health care system, making sure that our border would be open within this period of time. If the border would, could not be opened, uh, even though we still, we still enjoy the, the EAS for another six months, it doesn't mean that after another six months, hotel will survive. The government announced plans to form a travel bubble with Singapore shortly after Mr Lee spoke. A vice president of Beijing's top think tank on Hong Kong, Lao Shukai, has criticised local officials for not having a sense of crisis after the central government named Shenzhen as the engine for the development of the Greater Bay Area. The chief executive recently said she didn't mind that Shenzhen's GDP has surpassed that of Hong Kong and that she doesn't see the city as a competitor. But Professor Lau said she should be worried. Timmy Sung asked him whether Beijing's new policy means Hong Kong is being sidelined. Well, I think Hong Kong will still be important. But uh, what uh, President Xi wants to say is that he expects uh, some of Hong Kong to work together using the advantages of different systems to jointly promote the Greater Bay Area so that it can become a pioneer in the next stage of China's reform opening. So I think China still expects a lot from Hong Kong, but uh, the problem lies within Hong Kong itself as to whether we have enough sense of crisis and enough sense of uh, emergency to, to respond to the expectation of presidency. Uh, in an interview earlier, um, uh, Chief Executive Carrie Lam said uh, she doesn't mind the GDP of Shenzhen is higher than Hong Kong. Should we actually mind that? Oh, of course we should mind it because it, 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 it knows that uh, something has been uh, developing very fast and it is, uh, it is already surpassed Hong Kong in terms of uh, GDP. That means Hong Kong is losing our competitive edge vis-à-vis uh, Shenzhen. It is a, a signal of crisis for Hong Kong. And Hong Kong should uh, pay serious attention to uh, Shenzhen's development and something competition for Hong Kong. But do you think the uh, government officials in Hong Kong are aware of this? Well, I would say that they may be aware of this, but in any case, from my own experience in government, I think uh, many government officials still do not have a serious a sense of uh, crisis. And they still do not uh, have a, a correct understanding of what uh, happens in, in, uh, on the mainland and uh, what are the threats and, and uh, opportunities provided by the mainland, particularly Shenzhen to Hong Kong. That's why Shenzhen Hong Kong cooperation has been moving very slowly. And only recently, in recent years, do we see a little bit uh, of progress. And also turning to another point, uh, President Xi uh, also said uh, he wants to bring the hearts of Hong Kong young people closer to mainland China. Uh, what prompted him uh, to say that, do you think? Well, this is uh, not a new position of China. Beijing always thinks that uh, in terms of Hong Kong's uh, industrial structure, which relies too much on real estate and, and the finance, uh, this structure does not provide too many opportunities for Hong Kong young people particularly to people with different kinds of talents. In view of the fact that Hong Kong has difficulty uh, diversifying its uh, economy and uh, promoting innovation and technology, that means Shenzhen might provide some opportunities for Hong Kong young, young people. I would expect uh, Shenzhen to open up more opportunities for Hong Kong young people so that they will develop a career 
in the mainland, in such a case, their discontent with themselves and with Hong Kong will decrease. And they will also promote stability in Hong Kong. And they will also make it more likely that these young people will not subscribe to the views of the Hong Kong independentists and all those separatists. At present, he also brought up the, the concept of greater integration between Hong Kong and the mainland. Do you think he, it is because he sees that as some people in Hong Kong still resist the idea? Well, this may be one of the reasons, but uh, I think he also has in mind that the, 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 the enthusiasm and activism on the part of the Hong Kong government are not enough and, uh, to promote Hong Kong integration uh, with China speedily. I think what he has in mind is that he is concerned about Hong Kong's future. If under the ascension from the West, Hong Kong still does not take advantage of the opportunities from the mainland, that will be Hong Kong's loss. And China does not want Hong Kong to be marginalized in terms of China's development. Thailand has issued an emergency decree banning protests as it clamps down on largely peaceful pro-democracy rallies that have also targeted the monarchy. In a televised announcement, the government said urgent measures were needed to maintain peace and order. Our Thailand correspondent Larry Jagan told Anna-Marie Evans that the student-led democracy movement had been brewing for some time. Well, in fact, the student protests um, and uh, criticism, uh, really, of the king um, is, is at the, at the centre of it. But it, it's been escalating um, since February, in fact, when the... Uh, political party, the fast forward that sort of represents the aspirations of young people uh, in Thailand uh, was was formally banned and, and dissolved. Uh, since then, we've seen that the demonstrations begin begin to escalate. They've, they've been very, very peaceful, however, um, but they were confronting the authorities. They're confronting several of, of the uh, Thai taboos uh, subjects, particularly uh, the question of the monarchy. Now, they are not demanding uh, or, or even suggesting that the monarchy should be abolished, but they are suggesting that uh, it ought to be reviewed. And they certainly want uh, the constitution, which was uh, really introduced by by the military before uh, Prayut, who was then uh, commander-in-chief who, who led the coup, uh, took over as civilian leader. And they want that constitution uh, to be changed, and they want Prayut to stand down because uh, they argue that the election that elected him uh, last year really was was fraudulent. Now the fact that we've got this student-led democracy movement and that, that it's becoming a, a huge challenge for, for Thailand's rulers, um, you know, the, the, they're demanding, as you say, the resignation of the prime minister. Um, is this normal for Thailand to have this sort of level of, uh, well, I mean, I know it's had always problems with factions, with elections before, but to have this kind of student movement? Oh, yes. The students have been one of the main uh, political forces in Thailand, uh, e even 
back in, in the, uh, the turn of the century and, and uh, during the 30s, uh, the, the uh, monarchy and the political system was, was reviewed be- because of student demonstrations. And we've seen them uh, particularly uh, in, in, in the last uh, three decades. Um, and there have been very violent crackdowns on, on the student protests back in 1974 and in 1992. So the students are really... Uh, at the forefront of change, not just political change, but but social uh, change as well. Uh, So it's not a surprise that they are the ones that are really uh, been motivating um, the the movement for change in in Thailand. Uh, There's just a sense after the 2014 coup that brought the military back into into power that uh, that that was an attempt to end political conflict, particularly between the red shirts that, that were uh, grouped around uh, Prime Minister Tuxin at the time uh, and, and represented the, the, the poor of uh, urban areas like Bangkok and, and the northeast, the, the rural farmers, and the yellow shirts who, who actually saw themselves as, as protecting the monarchy. Um, th- 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 those kinds of demonstrations went on for 10 years and brought the country to a standstill at several times. So there was a feeling that that was brought to an end um, by by the military rule. But uh, they had been hoping to see democracy. And, and obviously, the concern about uh, changing democratic institutions or re-establishing democratic institutions in, in Thailand has been paramount because they, it's seen as, as very important for the development of the economy. And the economy has been really moribund since the uh, coup in 2014. And the label behind the Korean boy band BTS has more than doubled its share price on its first day on Seoul Stock Exchange. Big Hit Entertainment now has a market value of over 9 billion US dollars. The BBC's Katie Silver explains what drove their success. They've got a great tunes that are very popular around the world. They've got what's known as the BTS Army. It's a, they're legions of millions of fans around the world. And so part of what drove this share price up was them, people wanting to buy a souvenir, a little tidbit of their favourite band. There is one headwind, though. Basically, in South Korea, military service for young men is mandatory. And so a number of them are going to potentially have to go off and do that in the next couple of years. Those stories were part of the Newtrap programme which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Steve Dunthorne from our newsroom. To prevent the spread of COVID-19, try flexible working hours and staggered meal breaks. Wear a mask on public transport. Avoid crowded lifts. Try not to hold large meetings and reduce face-to-face contact with colleagues. Avoid meal gatherings. Stay away from crowds after work. Wash hands frequently and keep the workplace clean. If you feel unwell, stay away from work and see your doctor. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to Oh, what an exciting opener. Welcome to Nostalgia with yours truly, Ray Cordero. From now until 1 a.m., we have the best for you. 
So just take it easy and relax. This is Zimbarachi at the piano. Liberace at the piano over the, the rainbow. Johnny Hartman starting the show. Whenever skies look great to me and trouble begins to brew Whenever the winter winds become too strong I concentrate on you When fortune cries nay-nay to me And people declare 